Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me and tuning into this podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. This podcast is here to open your awareness. I want to provide you with tactical teachings on how to master your mindset, create your ideal reality, overcome obstacles, and leverage adversity. And most importantly, it's to help you realize that you are in total control of your reality. My hope? To inspire and motivate you to keep going, and no matter what, it's all about mind over matter. Be sure to check out my website, heatherhakes.com, for freebies and other learning opportunities. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 225. In today's interview, you're going to learn how a military vet had a huge wake-up call at just 30 years old and how he discovered limitless potential. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Ryan Matthews. Ryan, welcome. Hey, Heather. How you doing? Thanks so much for having me. Give the listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? Sure. I'm in Huntington Beach, California, so that's SoCal. And I am a former combat canine handler turned celebrity dog trainer. So pretty much everything that I do is related to pets and vets. Oh, I like how that rhymes. I hadn't even put that together. <laughs> well, and, and audience doesn't know, but I actually, Ryan has been helping me train my own dog because I was so impatient. And that's what I love about synchronicities. I was interviewing him for a podcast and then learned about his background. And I was like, I need your help. Well, I appreciate you calling on me for the help because really, you know, it feels really good to share this gift of understanding dog behavior and psychology with other people because sometimes, or a lot of the time, dogs are a frustration for us because we don't know how to communicate with them. We don't know how to say what we need and want from them on, in a way in which they can understand to get what we both want, the dogs and us. So I'm happy to share that gift with you. And we've only done two lessons. And I find that typically the breakthrough lessons are the third or fourth. And so I'm looking forward to the next one too, to see what happens. You know, it's funny what you just said there about humans and dogs. I think human to human interaction is very much the same. Hmm. That we don't understand each other and it's like we're not speaking the same language and then we get frustrated and then that creates all chaos and drama. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really fun thing to look at. And what I found, Heather, is there's so many lessons that dogs are teaching us as it relates to a really incredible way to show up in the world. And so I haven't mastered it yet, but I'm really in the process and trying to live, you know, the way that dogs live, which is this unconditional love, which is to be present, to not take things personally. And it's so much easier. They make it look so easy. I've been struggling with, uh, with this stuff myself, but I think it's a really great way to live. Did you pick up the four agreements? I did. Yeah, Don Miguel Ruiz. Yep. Yeah, because you I got just listed audio. some of this. Okay, and so obviously I want to share more about your background. You're, you're a vet and you work with dogs. And, but something you shared with me, and that's why I wanted to bring you on, is this whole idea that we all have limitless potential. Mm. But most people, I believe, live in what I call a boring-ass box in a very limited lack scarcity mindset. I agree. I often say when you talk about scarcity mindset, I often say that 
there isn't limited resources. There's limited technology or limited thinking, mm. right? Like, oh, we don't have enough oil. Well, what if we don't need oil after all? What if there's another way to get the job done in whatever it is that we're trying to do? So I think something that's so important is to come from a place of curiosity. And so I, I've had people even tell me like, dang, you ask a lot of questions. And I used to, they used to bother me. And I'll be like, now it's like, oh, fuck, yeah, you're right, I do. I'm very curious. And you know what? I'm paying you a compliment that I'm interested. Yeah. And I think that, you know, have that curiosity of a five-year-old uh, can serve us all really well because it comes from a place of play, of interest, intrigue, and allows also, if you think about when we're young, we're not thinking of how things can't happen or how it won't go through. We're like really creative and like, no, I'm going to get that ice cream that I want or whatever it may be or to play. So at what point do you believe we started creating self, I believe self-imposed limitations and, and doubt and fear and worry got in our way? I think it's been the conditioning for most of us, especially when I can relate to Western culture as it relates to like, don't touch that. That's hot. Don't go over there. That the street is dangerous. And although a lot of that is true, if we internalize it, because we don't truly understand all of it, then we start to make these associations. And so I believe that it's this imprinting from like three to nine years old or even younger that we're told no and, and all these types of negative things. And then we start to limit ourselves and then we get involved in relationships and we get, we get hurt by others. And then we get exposed to car accidents or combat or sexual violence and then we start to receive these traumas and the, again, the world's not safe. And then maybe we're the type that watches the news. And so we just keep hearing all these limiting things and it's coming from a place of fear and scarcity. And really it's, it's really terrorism is what it is. Yeah. And I mean, it ultimately it's conditioning. I, I literally have not watched the news in years. I don't have cable. I don't watch much TV. If I do, you can find me on Netflix nerding out with documentaries. Yep. Amazon Prime has this thing on Napoleon Hill. Like I am constantly feeding myself with how I want to live my life because it's so easy to fall, quote, victim to all that shit that's not even real in my opinion. It's so relevant, Heather. I grew up wanting to be this really tough machismo kind of guy. And I've done that nearly my entire life. I just turned 39 recently. And at the age of 35 was when I really made the shift of like, hold on, I'm actually not all that tough and hardcore. I mean, I have that in me for sure, but I really hope to never let it out. And so one of the game changes for me was to tap into my authenticity of who I really am, the essence of who I am. And so in short, like you were talking about, the things that I put into my brain, I had put in so much negativity into my mind growing up that it's, no, it's obvious then that's how I showed up in the world. And so now I'm like you, Heather, in that I won't watch just, well, I don't watch horror movies. Instead, I'm going to watch a documentary. I want to learn. I want to put good things in my body and my mind and then you know good things will come out of it as it relates to what I manifest and attract and co-create with others. Yes, love that. Okay, so let's let's rewind a little bit. Can you take well the audience hasn't heard this yet, but can you take us back to 30 years old, some life 
things that happened to you and, and maybe was this a wake up call or, you know, what was that? Yeah. So we had the benefit of getting to know each other a little bit prior. And so I, I appreciate the segue. Yeah. At the age of 30, at this point, I had a really successful dog training business in Northern Colorado. Oddly enough, I think you're in Denver area. So I was an hour North of you and I had commercials on TV and you had to wait like a month to work with me. I really had a good thing going as it relates to dog training. And my first two and a half years doing pet dog training, I made close to a million dollars actually. And so I share that to inspire others to, you know, really monetize whatever their gifts are for sure. Now I had stomach pain for five months, but you see Heather, I had this trauma from, from the war and things prior that my way of coping with these negative thoughts in my mind was just work all the time. And I never came for money. So having this money felt really good. And I had stomach pain for five months and I threw up something clear one morning, ended up, I ended up rushing myself to the ER and upon like further investigation, it ended up being stage three colon cancer at the age of 30 years old. And I was so naive that when I first went there, I just asked for pain meds and to be sent on my way so I could get back to work. And the doctor was very kind and gentle with his words because he knew what was going on. Uh, but within 24 hours, I was underneath the knife and removing the mass. And I went through six months of chemotherapy. And four days after the first round of chemo, on the 4th of July, a day that I normally would go hide out in the Colorado mountains where there's no fireworks, nothing to remind me of the war, I stayed home. And then at 1.30 a.m., I ended up having a widowmaker heart attack, most likely from the chemotherapy. And you know, whenever I go to the doctors now, they learn about my medical history. It's like I'm willing to bet nearly all my money in my bank account on what they're going to say when they find out my medical history. They're going to say, oh, you're so young, right? And so at 30, I went through stage three cancer and a heart attack. And you know what? None of that woke me up. None of that woke me up at all. It wasn't until three years ago where I had a second heart attack. And I'm 35 at the time. I felt like my head was about to hit the ground to pass out. I called 911, thought I was having a heart attack. And it was the feelings that I felt from the first heart attack, you know, sweating profusely. My limbs feel like jello. I have pain and then I start to feel like everything like this darkness come over me. And I had this realization, I'm 35 years old and I'm like, wow, this is about to be my last moment on earth. And it felt like panic had kicked in because I realized like I did not do everything I wanted to do. I did not live the way that I wanted to. I did not evolve into the type of human being that I had wanted to. And I had a lot of regret. And as I feel like my head's about to hit the ground and it likely be my last moment on earth, I reach out to this higher power. And I admitted that I was cheating myself and cheating the world of not bettering myself, of not addressing my issues. And I begged for another chance at life is really what it came down to. And so I made a soul contract to a higher power that if I was given another chance to live, that I would really lean in and do the work on myself. And then I would share with other people how I did it. And so that's what I have been doing the past few years is this, this personal self-growth journey 
to really improve myself and really move past the conditioning and the traumas and all these types of things that were have and were holding me back. And I got to say, it's been tough. It's been painful and it's been beautiful. I've enjoyed it. You know, tapping into who I really am. It's very freeing. And so that was my wake up call. It was that second heart attack. So question for you, because I've heard similar stories before. Gabby Bernstein, if, if you know of her, she's all about spirit junkie. She's uh, very much in the spiritual personal development realm. She got to a point because she was a, um, a junkie. So drugs, alcohol, everything. She got to her breaking point and, and came to her knees. And, and it was that same thing, like asking the higher power, universe, source, God, whatever you resonate with, asking for guidance, asking for help. And she got the message, you need to get clean. Elizabeth Gilbert in Eat, Pray, Love had something similar, you know, her rock bottom with her marriage and in the bathroom on her knees. And so it's like a lot of people experience that, but I also believe you don't have to get to that point. So what would your message be to people who maybe are, are currently in the shoes you were in, or, or if you want to catch somebody before they get to that on their knees, praying for a second chance, praying for something, what do you tell them right now? That's really one of my missions in life is to really help rid others of the pain that I went through. Now, look, it's really this simple, friends. You can learn the lesson the easier way and not have to go through the pain or the contrast or whatever you want to call it, like I had. Uh, or you can do it the easy way or the really hard way. I'm very stubborn. So for me, it took cancer, heart attack legal issues, going to jail, another second heart attack is what I thought it was. Like it took all this stuff for me to truly wake up. Now I've had friends that haven't always paid attention to the signals or the cues or whatever you want to call it from a higher power, the universe, whatever you want to say. And for them, they haven't been as fortunate to have another chance. Mm. And so I feel as though it's our duty. Number one, like our time here is very limited. And so let's just wake up now and get going, right? Because we're kind, of, we're kind of wasting time. I had this, you know, this question I've been pondering this is like, do human beings really need to have something very uncomfortable to have a fundamental shift and change? And honestly, I, I don't know. I'm pretty decisive and can come up with an opinion pretty quickly about nearly anything, but I feel really stumped on that one. It seems as though humans really seem to almost need this horrific, painful, you know, contrast. It's got to be painful enough to make a switch. I don't think it needs to be that way. It's a choice. And I say, like, that's what's so beautiful about life is when there's the willpower, we can truly make a fundamental shift. Uh, it, it's just, it's a choice how we choose. I'm going to interject there because I think you bring up a valuable, I love talking about, um, this, this kind of stuff, that very opinionated topics. So I think in that point, whether or not you believe in this stuff, if you follow A Course in Miracles, if you know the background of this, Marianne Williamson speaks of it so beautifully, but that we, we're kind of controlled by two forms, love and fear. Mm -hmm. Most people, so fear or ego, fear and ego is one and the same. So if you believe that you have to go through a horrific incident, you... Um, 
Goggins. David Goggins is a perfect example. That man, although he's accomplished an amazing, amazing feats, I, I, I give him props for that. He totally believes in masochism and he believes he has to suffer and be challenged. And ultimately, I don't think he feels that he's worthy or enough. So that's one way to do it, if you'd like. Yep. Or, like you said, it's a choice. You can choose to be like, okay, no, I want to live joy and abundant and bliss. And, and, and for me, that's not woo-woo. Or, I mean, that's a choice. But it's do you want to live in that love or fear ego state? You choose. Right. Yeah, I, I, love, I love what you shared because I can relate to the David Goggins way. And I love challenge. I thrive in challenge. I like it in sports. I like it in business. It's fun. It gets me going. I'm like, oh, yeah? Okay, I'll bring it. Let me show you. And that's as, as fun as it is, it does feel like it's a little bit an ego for me, right? And I can say that as fun as it is to be like, ah, yeah, see, show, I, I t- showed you the other way is this, this, my business partner, Turk, calls it letting go of the oars, Right, you keep paddling, keep paddling, keep paddling the other way, or just uh, let go and let's see where it takes us and allow. And it's like, oh well, I thought it was supposed to be this path. It's like, no, no, it's this other path. But the end result can likely still be the same. And I can say that this state of flow and making things almost seem like effortless. It can feel uncomfortable for some of us that have been through a lot, like since childhood. And that's been my truth, right? And so for me, I've really been reframing and working on allowing all of that past stuff to go and be like, wow, there's so much here available to me and to all of us. And now let's allow it to come into our lives. Let me clear my mind from all this clutter and stuff so that it can start to come to us so that I could be of a greater service to others as well. That was such a visual for me. Let go of the oars. Mm. And if you listen to Abraham Hicks, I think you do, but if, I definitely do. if any of the listeners listen to, I call him Abe, Abe and I are tight, but most people are paddling upstream. That's stop. I agree. Let go of the oars and then go downstream, go with the flow, like let life happen, let it unfold. And anyway, that's a whole nother topic. So in this whole premise that we all have a limitless potential, what is one key takeaway you want listeners to get from this conversation? Is to really tap into this curiosity. Allow yourself to play. Get back into this this childhood playfulness where we can have nearly anything we want. We don't need to come up with reasons or excuses of why things can't be. If we come from a place of intrigue and curiosity, we'll see that nearly anything is possible. Let's not come up with obstacles or roadblocks. Let's just come up with cool and fun ways to make the thing happen. Be creative and curious. Yes, I love that. Okay, so then I have a few rapid-fire questions I'd like to ask you to wrap up the interview. Let's do it. First one being, what is a quote or motto that you live by? It's that one of the most beautiful things about life is in any given moment, we can change. Mm. Yes. Choice, right? That's right. Second question. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? 
the book that I'm, I could tell you the book. So the book that I'm reading right now is getting the love that you choose. I think it was your recommendation and I may have butchered the title. Calling in the one. Or calling in the one. Calling in the one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That was another book. Uh, that's the one I'm currently listening to. But the one that I'm really excited about is on deck is the other one that you told me about recently about the, um, it has to do with like a devil word or something like that. Oh, outwitting the devil and Napoleon Hill. That one. Yeah. That's the one I'm really excited about. Ryan, I should do a whole freaking podcast on that. Maybe after you've read it, but I'm, I'm almost halfway through my second read. And I mean, so many people love think and grow rich, but outwitting the devil. It is so much what we're talking about today. That whole fear versus love and faith versus, you know, Holy shit, it's an eye-opener. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I guess that my intuition must have been there on that book because I'm, I'm super excited on that one. Sweet. Okay, final question for you. What advice would you give your younger self? That's to slow down and... Enjoy the small things around me. Mm. The small things and the small moments around me. Yeah. I love That's that. a good question. Great note to end on. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. I had a great time. Thanks for having me, Heather. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. To connect with me even further, follow me on Instagram at heather.hakes. You can find me on YouTube to get even more information and video content. And my website, heatherhakes.com. I'll catch you on the next episode.